Hello and welcome to the Career Builders Podcast. I'm Mike Bird. I'm Lisa Mikosek. Today we're joined by Virginia Franco, who is a multi-certified executive resume and LinkedIn writer, coach, and storyteller whose documents help clients to land interviews. She founded Virginia Franco Resumes years ago when recognizing her years of corporate communications, journalism, and social work offered her a unique understanding of how people read, communicate, and share information. She helps clients all over the world to tell their stories and test the job search waters, often for the first time in years or after deciding to make a career change. Virginia has shared her insight as the host of the Resume Storyteller podcast and in various publications and podcasts, including Job Hunt, Forbes Coaches Council, Ivy Exec, BusinessToCommunity.com, Blue Steps, Career Sidekick, Med Reps, Career Cloud, Career Métis, I hope I said that right, and NotActivelyLooking.com. She's clearly done some work out there. She serves on the board and is the past president of the National Resume Writers Association, and she joins us from Charlotte, North Carolina. Virginia, welcome to the Career Builders Podcast. Thank you for having me. Our pleasure. Wow. Uh, that is an incredible body of work, and I hope you can excuse my slight tongue-in-cheek approach to presenting it. Not at all. It was fun to listen to. <laughs> it's very, very impressive. Can you fill in our listeners a little bit more about, tell them a little bit about how you kind of arrived at this point in your career. Yeah, um, it's not a very glamorous story. I am very much an accidental entrepreneur. I, in last crisis in 2008, I have four young children. I think one was in elementary school, the rest were in preschool, and my husband had taken a ginormous pay cut. Um, and so I was trying to figure out how the heck I could make more money without breaking the bank with childcare. Um, I'd always written resumes for free, had no idea that anyone did this for a living. Um, and just so I started like, doing them for free and then slowly but surely uh, starting to earn a little money, started subcontracting, and then finally took the plunge and launched my own official business doing this. So before that, you were a writer for a number of years. And I just yeah. want to kind of dig down a little bit further on that. What kind of writing were you doing before you got into resumes specifically? Yeah, sure. So my, my undergrad was in journalism. I've done a little bit of a pivot into social work, um, but I'd always, I did corporate communications, freelance writing. Um, so I've done websites, newspapers, newsletters, annual reports, just sort of you name it, I had written it. And then resumes along the way yeah. for free. <laughs> A nice natural transition into yeah. a real business that you've been in for quite yeah, some time now. Yeah. Very cool. Can you tell us what it means to be a storyteller in a professional context? So to me, that's just someone who listens to a beginning, a middle, and an end of a story and then put someone else's thoughts on paper. I mean, there's different kinds of storytelling. Obviously, there's creative storytelling where, you know, once upon a time, the end, that kind of thing, um, but that's not what I do. I take the words of others, get them to sort of explain to me what their story is about, and then I get their stories down on paper. Cool. Why are stories so helpful from the standpoint of job search and the value that they have overall just in a professional setting? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, I have found that when people are in a position where they have to hire, they are looking at hundreds and hundreds of people's resumes, reading tons of LinkedIn profiles, tons of cover letters. And by telling a, you know, snippets of stories, like so with a beginning, middle and end, it helps 
it helps it to resonate and it helps people to recognize that you know that's what i need in someone um and so it's just a way of making something that maybe otherwise would be a little bit more dry stand out and be be compelling and aligned with what the person is looking for in a, in a candidate cool yeah that makes a lot of sense i've spoken to people and i myself am one of these people who says that storytelling doesn't come naturally to them i feel like though that this is a bit mm-hmm. of a misconception what other misconceptions do you hear about storytelling it's really hard to tell your own story so even and it's much easier to tell that of someone else. So if you feel like you're a bad storyteller, it's probably because you're trying too hard to um, think through your own particular story. Um, I did not write my own resume and I do this for a living because it's very, very hard to be objective about your own blood, sweat and tears. In terms of someone who says it doesn't come naturally to them and that they can't do it, um, I would say it's really just thinking about how did you get there? You know, What brought you to a situation? What did you do? what kind of plan did you lay out to accomplish what you needed to accomplish and what were the outcomes? Um, and, and that's the, that's the nuts and bolts of the story. Yeah. That's a great point too, about not writing your own resume. Um, it, it can be so helpful to get that outsider's perspective. Yeah. I mean, it's your own blood, sweat and tears. It's again, very, very hard to be objective about it. That makes a lot of sense. When you think about the great storytellers that you've met throughout your career, what are some of the characteristics or qualities that, that they might have in common? They are great listeners. They ask really, really good open-ended questions. And then I think one of the best characteristics, and this is what I learned from my journalism professors a million years ago, is that they recap what they've heard from you so that you make sure that you are not misconstruing anything or um, you know that you've really hit home with the appropriate messaging that the person's trying to convey. Interesting. From the standpoint of someone who is maybe trying to write their own Mm -hmm. story, is there something that they can do to become a better storyteller? I'm very much of a, uh, I learn and I uh, digest information by writing, but some people do it by talking. Um, So I think recording your stories um, video, audio, and then playing them back. Um, I think that's a great way to um, practice your messaging. And, you know, I focus on resumes, but certainly those stories apply to art, to interviews, um, when you're doing your elevator pitch, all of that. So being able to practice those stories um, will help you in all circumstances where the job search is concerned. Cool. It, I come from a background in Uh, originally in athletic coaching and we always would say to athletes right the tape doesn't lie and I feel like just having a playback of your story gives you like it has to give you a great sense of where you're at right now and can give you ground to work from in terms of improving how how solid you are with your voice and with your message so that's a great point you've made about just creating some sort of recording of your story yeah and and there's tons of software out there now that's free for practicing so totally yeah. Can you dig in a little bit further into, cause you write resumes professionally mm-hmm. and how do you layer elements of story into your files? So what I do when I'm working with someone is we start out with, you know, with each and every role we start out by, I start out by asking what brought you to this role? And then I might dig in a little deeper. You know, what were the circumstances? Did you replace someone? Was it new? Um, what were you challenged with doing? What was the main purpose behind hiring you? What do they need you to do? 
Um, and then they'll walk me through um, a couple of things they did. Um, and then I always close it out by asking them, you know, if, when you walked away from that job and reflected back, what were you proudest of? And those, that course of that, that conversation gives me multiple, um, the layers that I'm looking for because I've got the beginning and I've got the end and then I have multiple examples that sort of talk, walk me through how they did what they needed to do. So the layers are in the story. Um, and so what it gives me is a couple of bullets in between the beginning intro section of what I write. And then the last bullet that I write that sort of closes everything out. Mm. Interesting. But it, it, what I do actually when I'm writing um, is I, I flip it in terms of how I present it. I actually lead off with what the person is proudest of, and then I walk through how it came about. Um, what I found mm -hmm. is that when people are skimming these online, um, they usually have to look at where and when you worked, and then if they're pressed for time, they usually just look at the very first thing. Um, and so I'd never want to bury the lead, and the lead is what they're mm -hmm. proudest of. And so I lead off with something that's impactful, you know. I was brought in to lead the turnaround of a hot mess. And then I'll go into what exactly I did to make that happen. Um, so it's sort of reverse order storytelling, if that makes sense. Oh yeah, that makes total okay. sense. And that is a huge insight in terms of building a better resume that I hope our dear listener just took note of because that, that makes complete sense. So leading a little bit with sort of the conclusion or the resolution mm -hmm. to the problem and then working backward from there that's right. Um, and then likewise, when, when I'm writing a bullet, I always put the most powerful stuff at the beginning of the sentence. Hmm. Um, because again, when people are skimming, especially on screens, this doesn't happen so much in print, but I can count on them looking at the beginning of the bullet, but I, I don't know if they're going to get to the end. There might be something else that interests them on the page or they might have lost, um, lost interest. So, you know, if there's a powerful revenue figure at the end or a percentage growth or something like that, I'm going to lead off with that figure first and then explain the, how I got there. Um, mm -hmm. Because, you know, numbers and figures speak louder than words. The results are what hooks the reader. And then it makes them say, well, that's what I need. And then you can go into the, into the why. So it's sort cool. of like mini stories in between a big story. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very neat. There is so much value in having somebody write your resume for you. If somebody were to go out and look for somebody to write their resume, what are some things that people should look for? Oh gosh, that's such a good question. I just actually um, queued up a post about that for this week. Um, you're, there's, I think, 720,000 people or something like that on LinkedIn Oof. that can help you with your career. Um, so there's no one size fits all. I always say the best way to sort of whittle down the pool is Start with some of the industry associations. There's a couple in the U.S. There's you know, at least one that I know of in Canada. Um, look for people that belong to those associations. Um, there's lots of different certifications out there. Um, that's another way to sort of see if that person has passed a credentialing license that will this mm -hmm. sort of shows that they've mastered their craft. Um, talk to people you know. See if they've worked with others. Look at the recommendations that people have on LinkedIn, that they have on Google. Um, and then most importantly, talk to that person. Um, everyone has a different business model, a different approach and what works for one doesn't work with the other. Um, so having that conversation, potentially asking for some samples, I, I think that's really critical. Um, so you've got it, it's a big investment and you need to make sure that the person you're working with is, is going to be a good fit for you. Hmm. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Cause your, your resume ends up being the first 
point that somebody sees of you. So you want to yeah. make sure that that person really understands and has the same kind of values that you would have. Exactly. Exactly. And again, that, 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 that um, way of their doing business works best for you. Some people work by themselves. Some people have teams of writers. Some people um, have you fill out a worksheet beforehand. Some people don't. And, you know, everyone has different, everyone likes to do things differently. Yeah, makes sense. You've just kind of brought a question to my mind in a time where um, obviously a lot of people are, are trying to get back into the workforce. There's a lot of applications happening mm-hmm. online, huge volumes of that. And when it comes to something like an applicant tracking system, which I guess for to make a long story short, is kind of like the robot that rejects a lot of people that don't have enough keywords in their resume stated in a way that makes enough of a case for the candidate to get passed through unless mm-hmm. you want to add to that because that's something you've been probably dealing with a lot longer than, than I have. But um, with that in mind, like, can you write a resume that tells a really, really compelling set of stories and passes an ATS process? I'm curious to know that. Yeah. So the answer is yes. Um, and I'll even extend that to LinkedIn where I, you know, everyone talks a ton about keywords passing applicant tracking system software, ETS. I think keywords are super important in LinkedIn because people, recruiters, hiring managers are on there. They're searching for talent like you. Um, and the keywords um, are part of the engine that, you know, fuel the, fuel the algorithm to help you pop up on searches. Um, but I always, when I'm writing a resume, it has, it really has the same components as LinkedIn. Um, it has a headline that tells the reader what, what kind of role that person's targeting. Then it has a quick summary that says how the person's a good fit. And then you write, then you have the experience, then I'll have a skill section and then I'll have the experience section. The headline can absolutely have some critical keywords. You know, if you're looking for a project manager role, your headline should have the word project manager in it. Um, Again, you can weave that into the summary section. Um, the skill section is a list of hard skills that someone might type in to search for talent like you. That is a great place to make sure that your resume has a lot of great keywords in there. Um, and then what I do when I'm figuring out what keywords to put into the resume, I go to the job posting and I look at the bottom third of it, which is usually the must haves of the job. There's always some really good keywords in there and I make sure to weave them into the sentences. Um, but I do, it's, to me, it's more important for a resume to be written for a human being and secondarily for the bots. I want to make sure that the mm. resume um, doesn't get kicked out. Um, and that's because I very strongly feel that applying online as your first point of entry is not the best way to go. The odds just really are not in your favor um, for a lot of different reasons. Job boards are inundated. Um, but working, getting your resume in front of human beings first having conversations, um, having someone tell you about a posting or, or beforehand or um, having talked with that person as soon as the posting has come, come out. Then when you submit it, you've got a person on the other end that's looking for you. And it doesn't matter if you have 300 keywords or 3,000 because the person is at the other end looking for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I hope that answers the question. With LinkedIn, um, I'm coming to the conclusion that keywords might sometimes be even more important than they are on the resume mm-hmm. um, because so many people are on there searching for you. And you put them in those same places, the skills section, the headline, the um, 
job titles, um, the about section, all of it. Cool. No, that, that's super insightful. I know a lot of people talk about using the about section to really go, go crazy, like go deep mm-hmm. in terms of telling your story. Mm-hmm. What's your perspective on that and how do you approach it? To me, that section is the place to tell the reader why you, why you're a great fit for the kinds of roles that you're targeting. Given that when someone first looks at your profile, they really only see the first two lines of that section. I recommend using that section to really hook the reader with something that says, yes, this makes sense as to why this person's a good fit and I want to read more. Um, But because you do have more room in that section than you do on a resume to expand, um, I do think that's a great place for you to allow the reader to hear a bit more about your voice, um, to hear your voice, excuse me, um, to say, you know, a little bit about your philosophy, if it's really important to you, how you lead, if that's important to you, if your background is non-traditional and it's brought you to what you're doing today, and that is really important to you and it really aligns with what you want to do next, then weave that in there. It's like the resume and that it has a lot of the same themes that that first summary section has, but there is room to expand upon it. Um, I am a big fan of using as many characters as as you can. Um, I'll even put the skill section in there again. I will put some contact Mm. information in the about section. If there's room, I'll list two or three highlights in there. I don't know what part the reader will look at, but if they've clicked because they're interested in reading more, I'll give them some more stuff to look at. Cool. Yeah, that's given me a lot to think about. I'm just thinking about my own profile. (laughs) (laughs) I have heard that when you put a lot of the the keywords in the about section aren't ranked as highly as they are in other areas. You know, the, the headline, the, the top headline, it ranks very heavily. Obviously the skills endorsement section, those keywords matter a lot. And then when you can weave keywords into the job titles that actually apparently the seems like the algorithm weighs that a little bit more heavily, but it doesn't hurt to have it in the about section as well. Very cool. So you've mentioned LinkedIn. You also Mm -hmm. mentioned earlier the elevator pitch. Mm -hmm. What are some other areas of your career that you might want to use storytelling skills? So the interview, um, behavioral based interviews, uh, the video interviewing that everyone's doing with, with platforms like higher view, those are, areas where you can, you know, tell your story. Uh, are you fam- I don't know if you're familiar with um, CAR format or STAR format for um, explaining how you did something in a job. Um, C stands for challenge, A stands for action, and R stands for results. Oh. That's, you know, that's storytelling in a nutshell, but it's when someone says, well, tell me about a time when you did this. You can practice these stories well in advance, write them out, you know, record yourself doing them, but you say, when this challenge presented itself, this is, this is the action that I took to do it. And this was the outcome. Um, and then you're, you know, you're mirroring a lot of cases, what you've done, put in the resume into, but you're expanding upon it in the interview because you have more time, but that's, that's storytelling. That makes sense. Yep. Yeah. It's why we go pay a ticket to go see a movie or used to, I mean, those are the, <laughs> those are the basic formulas, right? That's of right. Most of the things that we go out and, and consume. That's right. And the, the video interviewing the, um, like higher, the higher view platform that is becoming more prevalent, um, where the, actually when you're video interviewing, a, a computers recording what you're saying and it's parsing out the keywords. Um, no way. Yeah. Um, a lot of the, 
actually, if you go to YouTube and type in higher view, it's H-I-R-E-V-U-E. -E. There's all sorts of questions that you can see that it'll ask. But I know a lot of the big investment firms here in the banks in the U.S. used it for um, their summer internships programs. Mm -hmm. um, but that's, I mean, the, there's a, a great opportunity to tell your story, weave in keywords so that it resonates with the computer and with the human being. Yeah, I think I've ended up in a screen call with one of those computers oh, yeah? and I felt so <laughs> it's odd. awkward. <laughs> I know. Supposedly they do a good job of weaving or taking bias out. Um, I don't know. I've not okay. had to do it, but my, so my son's in college and he had to do them a bunch of them. So I don't know if it's just a great way to, to interview a ton of people for a ton of positions. Um, but it's definitely the way for the future. Um, and the good thing is you can practice and you can yeah. keyword load. So <laughs> true. Very good point. Wow. Cool. If I can ask you kind of a general question yeah. around the based off of where we're at right now in the world mm -hmm. with unemployment kind of shooting through the roof in a lot of yeah. places and it's just being hard for a lot of people to kind of mm -hmm. get their feet back underneath them. Is there any kind of like message that you would want to share with our listeners given where we're all at? Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's a tough time. Um, people have either lost their jobs or they're worried about losing their jobs. There is so much that is out of our control. Whatever we can do to control what we can control um, is what's going to be sort of crucial to getting through this next phase and coming out on the other end. Um, from a sheer just job search perspective, what I would say is if you're worried about losing your job, what you control can control is figuring out, you know, sort of refreshing your network, making sure that you have, there's people that you think would be helpful for you in a job search that um, you haven't connected with in a while. Talk to those people, um, you know, get your network primed and ready, get your resume up and ready, get your LinkedIn looking good. Um, that way, if something does happen that you are ready to go and you're not taking three or four weeks to make that happen. When you're job searching, um, I'm recommending a, something a little bit differently now than I was, you know, pre-corona PC. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to be a little bit more strategic about where you look. I mean, obviously, if your dream was to go work in a hotel, that, that's not going to happen right now. <laughs> there are sectors that are booming. So look at what, what industries, what sectors tend to seem to be hiring. Um, my colleague Sarah Johnson shared a um, website a couple of weeks back. It's called Candor, C-A-N-D-O-R.co, and it's a 100% user-generated site where people are reporting this company's hiring, this company's having a hiring freeze. It's organized by sector. It's fabulous. Um, the other thing that I am recommending people shift a little bit, you normally, and I just said this earlier, normally I tell people, you know, focus 90% of your time on networking to find out about companies and opportunities and all of that. And then just 10% looking at job boards because they tend to be inundated. Right now, if you're in a sector that seems to be that where it does seem like hiring is taking place, those postings that have come out in the last few weeks have more of an urgency to them than mm. other roles would have. So, um, if you catch those kind of postings and you respond within, you know, a day or two of them coming out, I think you might have a better chance than you would normally. So, you know, I feel like that's sort of all you can do on the job front to survive this. Um, if there are some things that you've been longing to do or, um, or, 
or test the waters in this, this might be a good time to do it. You know, my business was born out of the 2008 crisis. Um, I didn't make money right away, but I had nothing to lose and everything to gain. Um, there might be an opportunity for you to do that now. And if, if there's not, that's okay, but forge your plan. Hmm. Amazing. Yeah. A lot of wise words there and some resources that we can plug into our show oh, notes and, and direct good. listeners to for sure. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. My pleasure. We have kind of a, a back end here of our show, some questions that we ask to all of our guests that come on. I'm going to kick this back over to Lisa uh, for these. So we think that work should be fun. And so we're wondering what is the most fun that you've had in your career so far? So what has been most fun has also been the most work. So <laughs> labor, labor of love. Um, last year, three of my colleagues and I were at a career conference in San Diego and we were sitting around the fire just talking about how, you know, we were so privileged. We were working with so many people. We were so busy, but there were so many people that we just couldn't help for a lot of different reasons. Um, and so we hatched this plan to create a, a resource for job seekers that um, maybe couldn't work with us one-on-one -on -one or didn't want to work with us one-on-one, -on -one, but wanted to do job search more DIY, um, but needed just some foundational resources to make that happen. Um, and so we launched Job Search Secret Weapon. Um, and it's been a lot of work because we're each of us, you know, we each built our company sort of over the course of years. Here we were, we met in in, this, in June, we decided to do this. In January, we launched while we were also working on our own companies, um, yes. our own businesses. Um, so a lot of fun, a lot of work, some successes, some, some misses. Um, but it's been great. It's been great. I've learned a lot. That is so cool. That, that's so amazing. And kudos to the four of you. Uh, I know we've had a couple of your colleagues mm -hmm. on this show uh, in past weeks and months, but just amazing job of taking something by the horns and getting to work and making it a reality in a real, a relatively short period of time. I just, I think that's fantastic. And people well, can be doing that right now for all kinds of projects in the world that we're in right now. Well, and that's, we sort of felt like all we have to lose is our time. Mm -hmm. Um, we put in a nominal amount of money. We are willing to lose it. And, and again, nothing to lose except for mm -hmm. learning. And, you know, I've made great friends as a result. So mm -hmm. no regrets. Cool. Awesome. And it also shows that you can really find opportunity in all sorts of different places. Um, you know, you were looking to serve a particular group of people and you came up with this great new creative idea. So really, yeah. really great work. Thank you. And everyone has skills. Um, it's, you know, sometimes you just never dream that they're marketable. They might not be, but they might be. It's always yeah. worth a shot to try it out. Very cool. All right. The next question is, what would you say is the biggest risk that you've taken in your career and how did it turn out? My biggest risk was, um, you know, as I mentioned, when we first started talking, I, I, when I was first starting to do this, I subcontracted for a lot of different companies. Um, I didn't have to do any marketing. I just clients of other, you know, I worked for companies sort of like a temp and then they would feed me clients and I'd write their resumes. Um, but after a couple of years, I said, I really want to try to do this on my own. My kids were finally in elementary school. I had a couple more hours that I could focus on marketing. Um, but it was, it was a big risk to say, okay, I'm going to stop working for you guys and try to do this on my own. Um, it worked, thank the Lord. Um, 
but, but it felt like a very big risk because I had, it was, it was a steady source of income and I was, I was risking it. Mm -hmm. And how did it turn out? I mean, it it has worked out great. It's now I am 10 years into doing this. Mm -hmm. So on my own, um, I always feel like if, uh, things go South, I'll go back to it and that's fine. Uh, but you know, it is scary to, 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 to give up a steady stream of income. I know a lot of entrepreneurs um, aren't always willing to do that. It's, it's, it can be nerve wracking. Um, but for me, it was the sort of rather than diving into the deep end, I started out, I felt like working for subcontractors was sort of sticking my toe in the shallow end. Mm-hmm. And then I was ready, ready to take it the deeper plunge. That's a really interesting insight that you just made in terms of like, if you're not ready to take a big risk, take a smaller yeah, risk. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, job search secret weapon was like that. We, we mm-hmm. just, we all said, we're going to put a, this little bit of money into it and, and our time. Um, we're not going to quit our jobs and do this. We're going to do this while we're also working on our own businesses. I, I'm not one of those people that can say, let me, let me mortgage my house and throw everything into it. I'm just not, <laughs> I'm, I'm not a gambler. I'm way too, mm-hmm. I would, that would give me a stroke. So doing baby steps, if you've got the time to do it, it's, and you're willing to risk it, then um, it's more, com- to me, it's, it's, it's a more comfortable way to do it. Awesome. All right. And then the last question that I have is what is the best piece of career advice that you have ever received? Just because you're good at a lot of things doesn't mean that that's what you should do. Uh, when I was first building this business, I said, you know, I, I just, I want to, I want to do everything. I want to coach people. I want to write. I want to you know do all these things. And um, I actually hired a coach um, to help me because I didn't know what I was doing. And she said to me, you know, you, what you really love is the writing. Why don't we, why don't you focus on that? Just because you can do the other stuff doesn't mean you should. Um, I think I was just spreading myself too thin. Mm-hmm. And so now I always think about that when I am taking on a new project, you know, how does this play to not just what I'm good at, but what also what I love to do. Um, and that seems to have worked best for me. Yeah. Yeah. Great insight. It's so easy to get caught up on things that can end up being really major distractions and kind of lose sight of the things that if we really just go deep in on them, that they're super profitable, not just from like a financial standpoint, but just emotionally. And there's more to that kind of pursuit when we go all in on it, I find. Right. And, and, you know, from a job seeker perspective, I liken it to those, those um, clients that I work with that they don't want to say to no, no to anything. They want to cast as wide a net as possible. And then, you know, you know, that, that joke that you are a, um, what is it? Master of Jack of whatever Jack. it is, Jack of all trades, master yeah, of, of all trades. Um, that, that can happen. But, you know, and so I always guide my clients to say, just because you're good at all these things, where, where do you feel like you would have, what's your biggest goal? Is it to get the job fastest? Is it to get the most pay? Is it to do something that you absolutely love? You know, what are the goals? And based on that, those goals, this, this is the direction that we should maybe consider targeting and write, Hmm. do that for them. Um, rather than trying to position them as someone who can do all of those things, because then no one, no one's going to know how they're a great fit. No one's going to be able to connect the dots as to why they'd want to hire them. Um, you know, you've got to, you've got to, you've got to spoon feed that kind of information to the reader um, when you're writing the story. Um, so pick a target and run with it. Awesome. Cool. Virginia, can you tell our listeners a little bit more about where people can find you 
uh, and learn more about the work you do? Yeah. So my website is a Virginia Franco resumes.com. Not very creative name. <laughs> um, it was, I actually total accidental entrepreneur. My accountant said you need a name now. And so that's when I had to quickly come up with a company name. So that's my website. Um, you can find me by my name on all socials, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook. I think that's it. Um, job search secret weapon is job search secret weapon.com. I, my phone number's on there. My email's on there. I don't have a team of writers. I answer all my own stuff. So that's how you, you can reach me. What, however works best for you. Amazing. I think you've got great search engine optimization there on those two names. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Hopefully no one you. else has taken those. That's right. Yeah. That's fantastic. Cool. We'll put the wrap on that there. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Our guest was Virginia Franco. Please check out what she's doing. It's, uh, it's really impressive stuff. I've seen it everywhere on LinkedIn. She's very easy to find and she can teach you a lot. For the Career Builders Podcast, I'm Mike Bird. And I'm Lisa Pekosek. And we will be with you again soon. Be well and bye for now.